It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome into another episode of On the Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by a juggernaut in the business, Mr. Lance Zierlein from NFL.com. How are you, Lance? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very excited that we were able to get this on the books. I've been kind of pestering you for a couple of weeks here, trying to get a day locked in, so I'm very thankful we, we got something done here. Yeah, no, I just uh, I stay pretty busy, so... Uh, this is the time of year where um, this is the time of year where it slows down after the combine, but I'm still trying to track down. You know, I'm still trying to track down my last 120 or so odd players that I have to write up. So, uh, and then I have articles that start popping up. Like I got to finish an article tonight about position depth uh, for every position. You know, what are the in order? What are the the deepest? Yeah, the deepest position grouping. So. Yeah, it's just uh, with the regular schedule of things that I put off for the last five months, family stuff, and then uh, trying to get this. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get me nailed down, but but I'm here now, ready to roll. Heck yeah, man. So I'd love to pick your brain about your process. How many guys do you end up writing up? Uh, it'll be anywhere between 480 and 500. That is insane. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm doing the prospect guide here at fantasypoints.com, and uh, my goal is like 150 to 200. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to write up basically almost two times the amount of players who are drafted. So there's there's a lot of, you know, it's and it's amazing. I'll write that many players, and I still see guys on the um, free agent list, on the undrafted free agent list who I don't know. And I just think, how are there so many? There are guys who will make a team who I don't know who are undrafted free agents. So – um, you know, I don't have time to write up any more players than I already write up as it is. But, you know, you just you try to do your best job you can to find, um, you know, you write every combine player up and I write every senior bowl player up. Usually senior bowl players are combine players. And this year they had some who didn't make the combine and probably should have. Uh, and then, you know, I have to get through NFLPA and, and East-West games and find the best players there and then find the the not so best players because we're filling out 500 and then I, I check in with the uh, uh, pro day testing and I go look for certain types of testers. And when I find those testers, I need to go take a look at what their production was. And if it's good enough, then I'm going to take, and it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be an explosive athlete. Then I'm going to go write them up as well. Uh, because those are guys like I found Austin Eckler was on the last 20 guys I wrote up. The year he came out and that's because maybe last 25 guys because he had this great testing pro day testing and i tried to find tape and it was like impossible i mean i didn't have any on my system um i couldn't find i found one game on youtube uh that i that, that the school had, you know like broadcast with students that broadcast the the game and I watched that, and I already knew he was an explosive tester, and I just wanted to verify it on tape. And so I wrote him up off of this one game that I had and his athletic testing. But we all know that, you know, in in the world of of football, he's become a major, major player. I remember reaching out to a team asking if they had heard about him or seen him, and they said no, but I saw his testing. 
and the guy said, do you find any tape? And I said, yeah, I found, you know, I found a game, but I, it wasn't really on tape. And I said, he's worth looking at for sure. And uh, the team was not the Chargers, by the way. It was an NFC team uh, that the guy I spoke with in the front office. But, um, yeah, to me, that's one of the – this is kind of one of the fun parts now is hunting down players who are going to be the next diamonds in the rough that come out of nowhere. Yeah, that that would be fascinating. I, maybe one day I'll get to the point where I'm doing that many guys. But for me, I'm just – you know, I get to like – you know, first four or five rounds usually worth of guys, and you know, yeah, not everyone. If I you don't have to, you yeah. know, if there's not a reason for you to, I don't recommend it if you have a family. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I do. I have I'm married with four kids, so that that yeah, well, I'm married with five kids, but three in the house. And trust me, when I first started this, I had five kids in the house, then it down to four, and now it's three in the house. And it's uh, you better have a you better have a good wife who's willing <laughs> to put up with the kids. I can tell you that much. Heck yeah. Well, cool. Let's let's get into a little bit more about your process. So when you when you start watching a guy, how much tape do you usually watch? What do you have a, a way you do things like are there things you're looking for right away? I know you, you probably look heavily at the traits and, and the repeatability of those traits. But what exactly are you looking for when you when you dive into the tape? Well, so every player I have things I'm looking at. Uh, pick a position. I'll give you an example of what I'll pick a position, pick a player and I'll give you an example of what I do. Offensive tackle, Paris Johnson. Okay, so Paris Johnson. So the first thing I'll do is I'll pull up Paris Johnson. I'll go to the school bio. Um, I'll read. I want to go look at how many starts he's had. I want to go look for games that he missed with injury. Um, is injury an issue in multiple years? I will go look up at what he did in high school. Uh, what were some of the things in the bio about his high school? I want to look for if a guy was a team captain at any point. Um, then I, I will go to, I'll type in Paris Johnson recruiting ESPN and I'll go look and see if they have testing from, you know, one of the high school camps. Did he have vertical spark rating 40 time, anything that I can find on that. Then I'll type in, I might type in Paris Johnson and the head coach and I, and I'll see if, and then I'll hit news and I'll see if the head coach had something to say about Paris Johnson. Then I'll look for as many Paris Johnson. I mean, because this is a better player. So on the better players, you know, the first two-round guys, this is pretty much what I do is I'll go start looking for um, articles on that player to see if there's position coaches or anyone talks about the player, um, anything I need to know that maybe tells me something about their character, work, work ethic, things like that. I may go check Paris's social media feeds to get a, an idea of who he is. Um, how important football is to him. It may be subjective, but I still want to kind of know the guy because what we're all trying to do, what NFL teams do and what I'm trying to do is get a, a personality profile on the player too because that's part of the projection is how hard is a player going to work, how much does he want it when he has more money, more time, and more access on his hands because you know that can fell a lot of people. There's a lot of us out there that might not be able to handle that when we're 21 years old, 22 years old, and all the spoils of, of potential stardom are out there. And and uh, so you, you want to get as much of an idea about the player personality-wise and character-wise as you can as well. And so once I'm, once I'm comfortable with, with having a, an idea of that profile, I start to get into, for an offensive lineman, I'm going to just get into the tape. There's, there's less to look at in terms of statistics and mm -hmm. points. So – what I'll go do for Paris Johnson is I'll get to uh, – I'll go find 
like I use Pro Football Focus Ultimate, which has my film tied directly to the cutups. Um, and so it makes it easier. It's really just a shortcut. I don't really care about the grades, but what I'll do is they list all the run blocking and pass blocking. So usually I start off run blocking and I'll want to go look at the best matchups I can find on him. So, you know, if I know who the, let's just say they played Florida state, they didn't, but I'll go check for Jared verse, right? I may go to last year. If he played, uh, David Ajabo or, uh, or Aiden Hutchinson, I want to go see how he did against those guys. If he was a tackle, if he was a guard, I want to see how he did against Mozzie Smith last year. Um, I want to see how he did, obviously, this year against Michigan. I want to see how he did against anybody that has pro-caliber talent or players at all this year and last year I'm going to go look at. Now, obviously, I just kind of like what they did last year to this year to give me an idea of if the tape was better last year because sometimes that happens for prospects or how much growth they had from year one to year, you know, from last year to this year because prospects, you know, get better as well, and I want to know if that happened. Um, so I'll look at all the run blocking stuff. I'm typically going to look at hands. I want to see, are, do you have strong hands? Are your hands quick? Do you have good hand placement and run blocking? I want to see how you get out of your stance. Are you good at getting to your lateral blocks? Because if you can get to lateral blocks and cutoffs, that means you can be an outside zone guy. How do you, what is your technique like on your double teams? Are you hip to hip? Um, how smooth are you transitioning from your first block up to the linebacker and combination blocks? That's something I'm going to look for. How much strength, drive strength, is your pad level? And this is a big one. Where's your pad level? Can you bend? And if you can, are you bending? What is your pad level like? Because if it's coachable, if you can tell a guy can bend, but he's not bending, then that can be worked on. If he fundamentally is too tight in his hips and knees and ankles, then that's a problem because he'll never be able to generate great drive power, no matter how big he is or how, how much upper body strength he has. It's a leverage game. I saw in your, your, uh, you know, I saw in your, your profile, you're a BJJ guy. My dad was an NFL offensive line coach and in, in college for years. And one of the things he loved more than anything was watching old UFCs where Hoist Gracie was able to beat Dan Severn and be and able to beat these much bigger guys when there was no, in the early, you know, UFC two, three, four, five, when there was no weight classes he loved the le- as an offensive line coach. He loved hands. He loved leverage. He loved balance, uh, core strength. That was something that he really appreciated, and still to this day does. Even though you don't obviously see as much grappling now um, in that sport, but so I want to see your core strength, right? I want to see if Paris and Paris, that's an issue Paris needs to get better at. How strong is his core? A lot of times you can find that from pass rushing. If he goes head to head against the player. Um, can he get him moved? Can he kick him in a certain direction? What's the leg drive like? I'm taking you through all this because these are all things I'm looking at, and that's just run blocking. Once you get to pass protection, I want to see what you're, you know, I want to see if you're a forward leaner or do you, uh, oh, that's the other thing for run, you know, if you make contact into a guy, do you bring your hips up under your hands, which is, you know, better leverage and you're more likely to say, stay sustained. So I always say there's three phases to a run block. And so I'm going to look for the initial phase, which is getting into the block and it's fitting up with your hand placement, your, you know, your positioning, all that, how quick you are out of your snap. The second phase is the sustain playing with, with power and sustain through the, you know, through the block. And then the last phase is the finish. So I want to check all three phases and there's different things I look for. Then once I go to pass protection, um, I need to see what your pass set 
um, posture looks like. I mean, if it's not great, it's still coachable. So I'm not I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to mention that that's right now. You know, unfortunately, it says weakness. I'd rather not say weakness. I'd rather it would say uh, areas of improvement or concerns. Maybe concern would be a better word. The strengths and weakness are synonymous, I guess, with uh, scouting reports. Um, so I'll look at the pass sets. I'll look. It's very important for me to see the pass set quickness. What does your foot quickness look like? It has to be good enough. Like Darnell Wright is good enough. He understands how to use angles out of Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. So he's not the fastest feet, but it's he's fairly light on his feet for being a bigger player. So I need to see how nimble you are. The second thing I'm going to want to see is redirect inside. So if a guy makes an inside move on you, I want to see a player like Paris Johnson be able to plant that outside foot and get back in the other direction. How quickly can he do it? You'd be amazed at how many players just have this. It's like there's a freeze. There's just They hit neutral before they can open up. And a lot of times they have to swing their hips open as opposed to just make it a fluid mirroring motion going from outside back inside quickly. And so uh, I want to check and see if Paris Johnson can do that. Um, I want to see where his how quick he's punching. Is he just trying to grab a guy? Where are the hands? Is he shooting his punch out there? Is he maximizing his length? There's plenty of guys with 35-inch arms over the years uh, who are slow to throw their punch and time their punch, and so their length is irrelevant. And if, if anything, players are into them, in, you know, closer into their frame, and now they've got to try to press them out. And if they don't have great, you know, like like we see with long arm tackles, it's harder to bench press more because uh, those arms, you know, it's hard to get your bench press stuff. Well, it's also hard to have, you know, a 285 pound defensive end who's moving forward into you press that player you know, have the core strength to anchor and press the player off. Um, so uh, lastly, I want to see your anchor. When a guy tries to bull rush you or go speed to power, do you bounce back into the pocket? Can you, if you do bounce, can you, you know, roll your hips up under you and, and really with technique uh, sink a quick anchor? Um, if you keep getting rolled back into the pocket, that's a big problem. Because that a lot of times that's not correctable and you're going to bust out of the league. That's a huge issue. If you're not strong enough, can't play pro football. You got to have a certain level of strength, and then uh, you know you really want to see if a player can um, recover. Right? You want to see, you know, what the edges look like, the outside arm or the inside arm. Can you redirect a player who gets to your edge and kind of push them around the pocket enough? Just just enough. And do you have recovery, athletic recovery, or arm length recovery? When a guy's got you beat, can you make a recovery through opening your hips and pushing a guy away from your quarterback? I mean, that can save a quarterback from a sack. It can save a quarterback from an injury. Yeah. You know, you, you never know. So, you know, I know that's a long answer, but I'm just giving you an example of what goes into one single player. Uh, and it just so happens that all of that's in my head. So when I'm watching plays, oh, here's one. Here, it's like a bingo card, right? And as I'm watching plays, I start to check off different things of the bingo card. So it's not like I'm going down this long checklist. The checklist is already innately in my head, and I've got it up on my wall, too, for every position in my office. And so those checklists that are in my head now, they're bingo cards that I fill out while I'm watching tape of the good players. And so that will take approximately, um, you know, like Paris Johnson tape, for example, will take about an hour, you know, watching. I'm going to watch him probably – um, a grand total of four games, but I'm watching other – any pressures he allows, I want to go see him. Any sacks he allows, I want to see it. Um, 
for some guys, I'll, I'll actually go deeper. And like for Paris, you know, I'll, I'll go search um, any type of, uh, you know, man blocking scheme, outside zone, inside zone. I'll look if I need to. If I think I need to, if I'm not sure how a guy is doing, I can go to specific run plays and just really filter through those run plays as well. And, of course, I look at penalties. I mean, that's a big one too. And if you're getting penalties, what are the penalties and is it correctable? So those are all things that I'll look at for a first-round tackle like uh, Paris Johnson. All amazing stuff. Um, You mentioned, you know, you like to see go back to 2021 tape, see if there was a progression made. What do you do with guys whose best tape was not their most recent year or even several years ago? You mean like Derek Stingley from the Texans? Yeah, Stingley's a good one. Even Will Levis this year, I felt like his 21 tape was so much better than this year. It's tough. I mean, you know, you go see – you want to find out why why wasn't it as good this year. And uh, Jordan Love was another one who had much better tape uh, the year before he came out. And with Jordan Levis, I mean, with Jordan Love, you said, okay, well, he lost – you know, I think it was a tight end, a running back, two receivers, an offensive coordinator. Like, he had major changes. And so – that accounted for some of it, but some of it was just not good. Like it was just bad football. And I think the same thing can be said for Will Levis. Like, you know, ever since, in my estimation, ever since their offensive line coach passed away, unfortunately, I don't think the line has been as good. He, he, man, that guy had that offensive line playing salty football. He was just a really well-respected coach as well. And, And the line hasn't been as good. Will Levis also hasn't really felt the pressure. So, like for a quarterback like Will Levis, I, I'm going to go look at all the sacks, and I want to see how many were on Levis, how many were on the offensive line um, or the tight end or the running back. or you know. And, and I'll go look at this year, and I'll go look at last year. Levis took a long time because I'm trying to figure out that puzzle just like you asked me. Um, and then I go back and look at 21. Like I, I, I'm looking at all 21, and then i got to call teams and ask. And so I, get a, I had a quote from one team that told me basically – Look, he had three injuries. He had to play through two of them were really tough injuries. That's a tough son of a bitch. Like he, you know, you can't just kill him for what he didn't do because he played injured. Um, and that's and that's fine. So, you know, when they say that, I got to go find out when the injuries occurred, and then I've got to put games like Tennessee in perspective. It was terrible. He was terrible against Tennessee. So, do I just write it off? Okay. So, for me, it's like being a teacher where I'm going to take – I'm going to give you a break and I'm going to drop your lowest grade. And so your lowest grade for me is like Tennessee. You get about a 15. And uh, and then I'll go back and I'll try to – for a quarterback, I'll look at what I liked about 21. I'll look at what I liked about 22. And I'll look at what my issues were with 21 and I, uh, maybe a little less with 22 if I thought injuries played a part. But some of the same concerns kept popping up. Just – unusual difficulties with easy throws where the fundamental accuracy was off. Um, He had arm talent throws that were fantastic, but there were issues with not having a good sense of where the pressure was, not having great pocket presence um, was a concern. These are things that for me bother me. Just fundamental everyday accuracy is something I need to see. And um, fundamental poise in the pocket is something I need to see. If you don't have those things, it's really, really hard to make it in the NFL. And that's why I gave him a little bit lower grade than probably most people will have uh, at a low 6-3, which would be, you know, a, a garden variety second-round pick. Not even – but now yeah. I know where he's going in the first, and I know he has an upside. But 
every player has a ceiling and a floor. So with Will Levis, you know, what we do is we kind of throw out the 22 a little bit and we take the best of his 21 and we determine, are we willing to, if, if the midpoint, if your ceiling is up here and your, your, your floor is down here and we start at the midpoint, do you, are you stuck at the midpoint or are you leaning higher on the ceiling or more towards the floor? For me, I just lean more towards the floor on, on Will Levis. Um, but, you know, that's not to say I do have a 6-3 grade, which is a chance to be a plus starter. And I do recognize a lot of the things that people like about him. But, you know, to your question it, with Derek Stingley, I mean, Derek Stingley had this incredible 2019 tape. But then 20 and 21 was just – it was not good. It was not good on tape. Not, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it, it didn't look like he had the same energy. It didn't look like he had the same competitive nature. That's a problem. But you just can't quit thinking. But he has physical traits, height, weight, length, speed, explosiveness. Then you add um, he did have great 19 tape. He had great ball skills. And so, you know – you had two straight years of injuries, 20 and 21. And so now you have to factor in, okay, was he just shutting it down in 21 because he was waiting for the NFL draft? But then he ended up having a foot issue too. So um, they kept him from running. And so, yeah, even though I knew he was fast. So it, it was tough with Stingley because you're relying on 19 tape, man. That was a while back. And when you watched him this year, he was okay. But the guy who had the really good tape in 2022 was Sauce Gardner, and it's a no-brainer. Sauce was much better than Derek Stingley. So, you know, for me, I had Sauce had a higher grade than Derek Stingley. I had a boom-bust 6.5 on uh, on on Derek. I had a 6.5 on Derek Stingley, like a, a 6.7 on Sauce Gardner, which is very good starter. And that's the problem with trying to rely on a year – when you're a year removed, you know, when, when, when the year that just got done is not the the best tape, one of the problems you have is, man, you're you're relying on something that hasn't happened for a little while, and it's it's tough. It's tough. So I guess to answer your question, Brett, you just have to figure out why why is it not, you know, try to get, see if you can get an answer. Why was it not as good this year? Was it the pieces around him? Was it injury? Was it coaching? And you have to be open-minded, and you can't just try to – come up with rational, you know, confirmation bias where, well, I really like this guy, so I'm going to go find a reason why it wasn't his fault. If you do that, you're going to, you're going to fail. You know, you have to be prepared to be open-minded. Excellent stuff, Lance. That was tremendous. Um, before we get out of here, I have two more questions for you. I'm killing you with these long answers. No, this is, this is great. This is great. We'll, we'll hit these really quick. Um, when we were doing the kind of pre collab, pre-show collab, you mentioned that you just stumbled upon this guy, uh, tight end Griffin Bear from La Tech. Yeah. I, my fantasy listeners are going to want to hear about this guy because <laughs> the dynasty freaks, they love finding the, the, the tight end they can draft in the last round of their draft and and just pray he turns out to be good. So tell me about Griffin Bear. I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, you know, I don't know if Griffin Bear. Um, I'll tell you what I wrote up. So he Griffin Bear. one of the things I do for like the last 100 players I write up is I just scour pro day results and I go find the great testers because a lot of times, even if they're, you know, even if their production is not great, if you're a great tester, teams will take a chance on you late or you'll be a priority free agent for sure because certain athletic qualities transfer into the, or give you the best chance to translate into the NFL. 
And so a lot of teams will look for these types of players. Um, with Griffin Bear, he ran a 4-5-3-40. He's like 6'3", uh, 239 pounds, I believe. He ran a 4-5-3-40. Brought, his vertical jump was almost 40 inches. Had very fast. He had a sub, I want to say it's low 7, maybe even in the 6'9s for his three-cone drill. And um, he was just – so when I saw the workouts and I saw the – the production was enough for me to take a look at him. I watched him, and it's very similar to Garrett Prince from uh, from last year from UAB, where I saw he. I said he ran fast, jumped high, changed direction quickly at his pro day. Um, athletic open field pass catcher with fairly reliable hands, finds accelerator quickly for dangerous run after catch. Talent, talent um, has the athletic ability to become a separator, better separator out of breaks. My final bottom line, I gave him a 5.83, which like a six-round grade. I said, bottom line, undersized tight end whose lack of toughness is a blocker combined with his speed, fluidity, and space basically make him a big slot. Bear had an excellent pro day that should put him on the map as a priority free agent, but evaluators could grow to appreciate his mismatch potential and run-after-catch talent the more tape they consume. Um I said he needs to play with better effort as a blocker moving forward, but his athleticism, explosiveness, and speed could make him a pet project for a team looking to to develop a diamond in the rough. So he's the type of guy, for example, that you know if he were to hit, he's you see the athletic traits, he's going to be a mismatch for safety. So let's just say that a team – and his quarterback play wasn't very good at La Tech when I'm watching. A lot of throws weren't there for him. You have a player that's this fast, he can work – through the seam, he can work some of the deep uh, routes that, like Kyle Shanahan's offense requires. Just for example, where quarter where you'll see tight ends running posts and corners, and he can work all three uh, all three levels of the field. But what really impressed me with this guy was his speed, his ability to get to top speed quickly after a catch. I'm like, you know, I, I know he's a, a lottery scratch off ticket. But if you start throwing crossers to him and he's got a linebacker on him that can't keep up with him, these, these start turning into big plays. So he's the type of athlete that I'm interested in in today's NFL. Even if you don't block, I don't. that's okay because if you're playing in the slot and you're a mismatched slot, I remember finding Robert Tanyan when he was a wide receiver and I, he obviously had the size to potentially make, turn into a slot tight end. Now, I thought Tanyan would have a much bigger year this last year and I know he's had some injury issues but guys like Garrett Prince from UAB last year who had a ton of big play touchdowns, um, this kid Griffin Bear, these players who are mismatched players who don't who kind of land a misfit toys, they don't necessarily fit a tight end, but they do fit as a big athlete. I'm, I'm all about them because those are the guys that that I think creative play callers start figuring out ways to, to, to potentially utilize them down the stretch and, I mean, use them in due time and – they're the ones who do become those diamonds in the rough potentially. So that's why I'm looking for uh, explosive testers because they could be the next, you know, Antonio Gates where they come out of nowhere. Especially at tight end. We've done here at Fantasy Points with uh, our guy Scott Barrett. We've done a ton of correlation research with athletic testing and positions. And athleticism is probably correlates best to success at the tight end position. And this yeah. is what see guys like Gates or Jimmy Graham kind of come out of nowhere where they end up taking over the, the position and just phenomenal, phenomenal players. So absolutely awesome. 
cool, Lance. This was great. Before we go, I was scouring your Twitter before we jumped on, and I saw that you had a tweet asking people what the best meal you've ever had at a restaurant was. Yeah. You got oh, one? I, I want to hear yours. What is yours? Well, so I've been – you know, it's funny. The reason I asked this question is because I've been to, you know, three Michelin star restaurants at Dominique Crane in San Francisco, uh, French Laundry, Grace in Chicago when they were open, um, and – and I was thinking, man, I remember that. I remember the the nights. Like I remember the the great. It's not the dishes I remember. It's it's the atmosphere and in the evening that I had. And I started feeling bad about that. Like, you know, I can think of dishes I've had, but not typically at the great restaurants that I've been to. I I, I just kind of lump it into a lot of times their tastings, and I just lump it in. What I love is like the Oshaval, um hamburger in Chicago just a phenomenal hamburger it's not a tasting that's just a great burger yeah. you know I, I i remember these korean wings i got in portland um one time these sticky wings that were just fantastic you know just down home food like that is what I, is more memorable a lot of times uh but when i'm having the dishes I'll, I'll, at a really nice upscale restaurant i'll have it and think it's phenomenal but when it's a you know, multiple courses, tastings of seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, by the end of the night, I forget. I'll, I'll remember which one's my favorite one was, but I don't. That's why I wanted to know if other people recalled the dish that they had, and I was blown away at how many really awesome dishes people had had. Yeah, that. It's, so sometimes we get carried away with the experience, right? At those restaurants, yeah. it's just. Yeah. Best meal I ever had was at a, I don't even remember the name of the cafe. It was in South Africa. Yeah. Piece of fish. Don't even know what kind of fish it was. It was incredibly never forget it. If I ever go back, I will be stopping there. Yeah. And you never, and and that's my whole point is that sometimes it's just, it's so good that you just, you know, I have to really think about it, but it's the times that you had, um, you know, where you've had, if I really dug in and think there was a restaurant and I had these, I had these uh, this pasta in New York. My wife and I were going to uh, we're actually going to see Hamilton back in 2016, and uh, we didn't have reservations anywhere. But you know, New York City, you just stop mm-hmm. in any restaurant. We stopped into this Italian restaurant. I found it on Yelp. Turns out it was a one Michelin star restaurant, and I just had the most incredible um, uh, not dumplings, but uh, uh, not tortellini, but what is. Uh, ravioli i had the most incredible ravioli there and i was like i was blown away by it so that was one that comes to mind where i wasn't expecting anything at dinner i knew it you know i don't typically go to a lot of different italian and i just thought man this ended up being phenomenal the wife and i couldn't stop talking about it so um yeah but it was also a great night getting to see hamilton and and things like that but I, i i do always find the memories you know it's the food memories are really cool i I'm a guy who spends a lot of time by myself looking at in rooms for hours and hours on end, and my mind will wander sometime. And, and so when I get to find a, a football player who I like Montreal, Washington last year from Sanford, I get all excited. You know, I, after all this malaise of days upon days of the same thing, you get excited watching tape sometime. It's the same thing. Sometimes you have a dish and it's just like it transports you into just <laughs> memories that you maybe had at some other place. Heck yeah. All right, Lance, that is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining the pod. 
uh, listeners, you can find him at Lance Zierlein. He's on NFL.com. He does incredible work. Be sure to check him out now and all through the entire NFL draft. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.